Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football today. we got two people on the line. we got Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, talk to him on Skype. And we have Keely. Keely is my name on Twitter. Keely is my name. She's in studio with us. So we're going to talk to both of them about USC football, what's been going on. If you have any questions or comments, Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us or text us, 424-254-9141. If you want to subscribe, we are on iTunes, itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. It's our dedicated URL. We're also on Stitcher Radio and Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio and all that kind of fun stuff. So a lot of different ways you can download the show. We do appreciate you spending some of your busy day listening to our little show. We've been doing this our 10th football season Doing the show, if you can believe that's a little bit crazy. And uh, first, I want to welcome in the coach. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, buddy, especially when we have our number one draft choice joining us today. You know, camp's <laughs> opening up in, in the NFL, and it's always good to have your quarterback, isn't it? Yeah, we got the quarterback, Keely, who, if you guys don't know, she just graduated from USC. Congratulations, Keely. Why, thank you. And, uh, yeah, she's now a full-time member of the USCfootball.com staff. I'm excited. Glad to be here. Cool. Congratulations, kid. I've been watching you all along during your freshman year, your sophomore year, and then, of course, last year, the way you finished up in the Rose Bowl. How can it get any better than that? (laughs) Well, thank you for following along. Yeah. So uh, it's cool. It's good to have Keely. So we're going to have Keely do some some videos for us here in the studio and uh, help us on the podcast and all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, it should be very good. We are excited for that. Um, Coach, I wanted to let people know. Because they've been with us since the beginning, too. Southern California tickets. If you need tickets for anything here in Southern California or across the country, you can go to sctickets.com. Coach Harvey Hyde's been friends with Curtis for a long, long time. Or you can give him a call at 1-800-888-7287. Dodgers on fire. A little Kershaw bump in the road, though. Keeley's at <laughs> Angels. How, how are the Angels doing, Keely? Oh, man. Don't talk to me about it. It's sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe you have a favorite team somewhere. Across the country, you want to go check out. It's mostly baseball now, but football's coming up. But go to sctickets.com. And, uh, Coach, I don't know if you've done anything with them lately, but I know you do a lot with them. Oh, the last thing was U2 concert. That was absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, U2. Are you, Keely, do you even know who they are? Like, you I, I, I'm young, but I'm not that young, Ryan. <laughs> Keely does have a pretty good knowledge of, uh, you know, 80s and 90s, like, pop culture before she was born. That's so true. That's My sister's eight years older than me, so she kind of, Helps me with the culture gaps that I have. Nice. Okay. Well, don't worry. We don't. We don't know a lot of your groups either. Okay. <laughs> How about Twenty One Pilots? Are you aware of that one? I am. I'm, I'm surprised that you are aware of them. Oh, how about uh, let's see, uh, Green Day? Are you aware of that? Yes, I am. I uh, am. That's a little older. <laughs> that's mine, not hers. Well, you see, you don't it's realize. Both. You know, I still got eligibility, so I've got to keep up to date on all of the new music. Well, you sound up to date. It's good. You're still relating to the players, coach. That's what you, your recruiting tactics. Well, you know, if you don't listen to their music and understand their music and uh, 
be able to talk their, their language, then you're out of it. So it's very important that you stay up to date on everything you do. All right, Coach, we're counting down. I mean, we have fall camp starting in five days. Crazy. Uh, that's a little nutty, July 29th. I just got back. I was back east uh, for visiting family in uh, Washington, D.C. area, Alexandria, Virginia. It was pretty cool. But um, while when I came back, it was a little crazy day on the site, too. I don't know if you saw this, Coach, but we've transitioned to a brand-new platform. So we're part of CBS Interactive. It's basically the same platform if you've ever been to 247 Sports. It's like that, just modified for Scout.com. So it's been a little bit crazy. I'm answering an email every 10 minutes or so. People try having issues logging in. If you're having problems logging in, you just got to make sure you log in with your email address from Scout that you were using before. If you don't remember your password, click Forgot Password, and it will send it to you. If you have still problems after that, you can email me, ryan at usafootball.com, and I will help you out. But it's been a little scramble, Coach. We're, uh, you know, it's like we moved buildings. The administration moved buildings all in one day, and now we got to figure out what's going on. Well, that's part of going to camp, okay? you got to <laughs> get ready. So uh, you're going to camp, so get it all organized, and then be ready for kickoff. Yeah, Coach, we are getting ready for kickoff. And uh, so this week, if you don't know, like we said, fall camp starts in five days. But we also have Pac-12 media days going on. We talked a little about this before. Um, Coach, you're going to see Clay Helton. You're going to see quarterback Sam Darnold. You're going to see linebacker Cameron Smith. Anything you'd want to learn from Pac-12 media day that you don't already know? Well... I'll tell you, uh, I don't go. I don't go to media day. Uh, I told you that. Uh, I went to it enough when I was coaching. Okay, I went to several here at the beginning of, uh, well, way back when. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I quit going about two years ago, because I didn't want to fight the traffic and where they have it located and all this and that. It just wasn't worth it to me. So uh, I have someone pick up all the uh, media guides for me and. I read through those, and I get all the knowledge I need on my own. So the only thing I really miss is listening to the players talk, and I really don't hear them talk that much or do not ask that many questions, which I'd love to hear them talk or talk about this season. But uh, I don't go, so don't look for me. <laughs> what about you, Keely? Anything you want to learn from this? Not really. I mean, it's kind of different now because it's so close to fall camp. You know, there's going to be one day in between USC and at Pac-12 Media Days and then fall camp starting. So, I mean, how much can you really <laughs> glean from that? I don't know. But they are getting smarter with the scheduling because USC is the last school to go on the last day. So <laughs> saving might what might be the best for last. But, yeah. Yeah, that'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it works. And the way they have split up, they'll have half the teams go on the 26th. The other half the teams go on the 27th. They split up USC and UCLA, so the local media has to come both <laughs> days if you're covering – Everything in Southern California. And then, you know, one thing that is a little bit different, coach, that, uh, you can talk to the players more now because they, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan, but you can talk to the coach or each player all at once. You can't get everything because unless there's three of you, um, uh, but they all go at the exact same time. So if you did have, if you wanted to talk with Cameron Smith for a while, you could just go into the back room, uh, the back corner of the room. They usually have the players one in each back corner and talk to them, you know, about whatever you wanted to talk about. So it, I guess it does give you a little more access. It's not like they're up on a stage and, you know, they ask the coach all the questions and the linebacker just sits there and doesn't answer anything. You can go in there and, and talk to them about what you want. So that's a little bit better, I guess. 
Well, I don't know if Keeley remembers this. We talked about it. I spoke about it with you maybe a week ago when they used to have the meaty day in the Rose Bowl that one year, and what a fabulous event that was because both teams or all the teams in the Pac-12, that's their ultimate goal to play in the Rose Bowl. And now with the new press box and new locker rooms and everything being air-conditioned, uh, that's the ideal place for it. No problem with the parking. Everything's so easy and nice. No hotel accommodations are close by for everybody that can fly into Burbank. And for some reason, uh, Larry Scott and company decided not to do that. It wasn't Hollywood enough. So uh, now they're in Hollywood, and uh, since they're in Hollywood, I'm in Pasadena by the Rose Bowl. So I guess they're not going to come by. Yeah, that was uh, before Keeley's time, the uh, the Rose Bowl one. It was hot very like people were like passing out hot so i did i still have a rose ball hat i got from that which is cool what year was that oh uh you remember what year it was coach it was like six or seven years ago i wow. would think yeah it was six or seven years ago unfortunately it was a very warm day but it was a beautiful setting and set up perfectly the only thing the new press box wasn't completed yet so uh they just moved it and it's really too bad yeah, that was a that was a good one. I'd, I'd like for them to do that again, especially with the new uh, press box there. I actually met Madeline Burke, if you remember her. She was an intern on our site for a while, so she graduated from Arizona State, came out here, was just doing random videos at Pac-12 Media Day, and then she started doing stuff for us. She's back in New York now. I think she worked for like NBA TV or something. She used to work for the Clippers. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, that was way back when, and uh, yeah, like seven years ago maybe. Um, okay, I want to talk about some special team stuff. We had Paul in Vegas uh, wrote a question, so we'll do a little bit of special teams talk. He said, if you were formulating the special teams makeup, what percentage of starters versus second team, scout team, and freshmen would it be? Would you get the athletic freshmen, tight ends, and linebackers on kickoffs, or would you rather redshirt uh, most of them? Uh, also, what player positions do you favor uh, for kickoffs? Uh, thanks, Paul in Vegas. What do you think, Coach? Well, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big guy for not burning up eligibility, and I'm a big guy too for getting your players on the field. I mean, I, I have no reason if a kid's going to be uh, using up a year of eligibility, let him get experience and let him be on the field and let him feel part of the team and the game instead of sitting around and sleeping through the meetings and uh, going to the hotel and not focusing because he knows he's not going to touch the field. So anybody that can contribute and is a great athlete, you want on the field sometime during the game to motivate them and make you a better football team and rest your starters because you've got someone, too, that needs that experience to be on the field. Yet again, you don't want to burn a redshirt year like, uh, you know, like Dante Burnett burned a redshirt year. He would have, I mean, he, they should have redshirted him and he'd have still been a, a sophomore. So there's a lot of those incidents. We've talked about that before, so I don't want to repeat myself. But again, I think that uh, basically on a kickoff team, you want speed with a combination of speed, tackling ability, and also being physical. But there's certain parts of the middle of the return and so on, you need to be physical. And you want to have somebody who are your your outside guys, uh, your sprint guys, get down and, and focus on the guy catching the punt so you harass him. And you want to be there with the ball. At the same time the ball gets there, you want your guys there. You've got to be able to have those type of, uh, of guys that are smart, too, but you don't want to get any penalties for hitting the, the, the guy catching the punt or the punt return guy. So it's a combination of all, but you've got to have players on the field, and if you don't have enough players in depth, then you go with your number one guys because you can't run a play. You never know what play is going to be the play of the game, 
you've got to make sure you have your players on the game. Now, USC doesn't have that problem. They've got enough athletes to cover those type of special teams, except for the two areas, or the one area we talked about, and that's the place kicker. I'm very concerned about that position. What do you think, Kelly? Keely, go ahead. What do you oh, sorry. Yeah. Keely, excuse me. Keely, <laughs> no, I, I didn't good. think you'd answer the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, I think at least for the sweet spot of type of player, I think like that redshirt freshman is good just because like you get the John Houston, the Connor Murphys who, you know, they, they didn't, they already burned their eligibility, but they, they are getting game time. So now that John Houston might be in the linebacker position this year, he'll have that game experience where if he wasn't on the special teams, he wouldn't, you know, I think that's the sweet spot. Yeah, so where you don't necessarily want to burn a redshirt freshman year. Uh, so if you let him redshirt, like we saw, you know, most of the receivers redshirt last year, except for Michael Pittman, who was, you know, actually getting in games and contributing. But we've, we've seen that before too. If, if it's a spot that they need somebody and they feel like a true freshman can come in and contribute on special teams, they'll, they'll use it. You know, they'll burn the redshirt. They'll let him play, uh, mostly on special teams. But I, I like what Keeley said too. It's, it's more about, yeah, okay, they redshirted. They got bigger. They got stronger. Maybe they're not in the starting lineup. They're on the two deep, but they're really not seeing the field, but they can really help on special teams. And that, that way you're not, you know, they've already used up their redshirt year. You're not losing anything by having them play there. So they seem to do a pretty good job of, of spreading that around like that. I agree a hundred percent. That's what you got to do. Uh, don't burn the redshirt year on just that alone. But if somebody has redshirted and they're a great athlete and they're ready to get on the field, give, get them on the field as long as they, are weakening what you're trying to do, that they do have the athletic ability to fulfill the assignment. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of, there's got to be, I know there's some recently that played mostly special teams that they kind of burned redshirt years. Like a Jordan Iosefa, you know, he actually played some too, but for the, I think the majority of the time he spent on special teams. But we've seen a couple, I think, where for whatever reason, they feel like, okay, this guy can help on special teams. And they, even though they're not, on offense or defense or whatever, it, it happens. I think it's rare, but it does happen sometimes. That's a John Baxter effect, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he likes his guy. Well, if you're a special teams coach, you want to get everybody on the field. Yeah. Again, as a head coach, that's your responsibility to know exactly what your numbers are, know exactly who should play. Sometimes uh, you don't retreat players, but you feel you possibly uh, forecast or didn't make the right decision or, uh, on a – on a player and you need that scholarship back. So you've got it. There's a lot of thinking that goes into redshirting, not redshirting and who plays, who doesn't play. So, you know, they just don't put a guy in a depth chart. You've got a lot of thought behind it on the future of that player and exactly the strength of that player. It's funny talking about redshirts. Uh, if you've ever played, uh, there was an NCAA video game where you would play, they, they outlawed or whatever. The NCAA, so, but you could, if you were managing a team like that, you have guys like, that were play for two years, you might redshirt them their junior year because you're trying to save eligibility and stuff like that. And we get a lot of questions on the message board about that. Even play, I mean, there's a recent one where like a Jacob Daniels who moved from defensive tackle to offensive guard, like, oh, could he redshirt this year and then kind of learn the position more? Or uh, there was another one. There was another player too that had like switched positions and they're like, oh, could he redshirt? Oh, P- uh, Keyshawn Young. Who's, who's playing uh, wide receiver now. You know, he played, he's a guy. He played on special teams last year. Um, didn't really do much else, but he was a special teams guy. They, he did not redshirt his freshman year. He ended up getting on the field and playing. So that's one example. Uh, but they're like, well, could he redshirt in the middle? And it's funny. It just doesn't seem to work that way. It's not managed like a video game. It's, <laughs> you know, and even sometimes it's not, you know, not to be crude, but sometimes you don't want to redshirt a guy. If it's a guy, like say Jacob Daniels, they don't think could play, 
do they want to keep him around an extra year? They would rather just have him play out his eligibility and kind of move on. He would never have redshirted, you know, even though he doesn't contribute that much. I'm not saying that's the case with him, but in some cases, coach, I don't know if you've done that before, but fans are like, oh, can you redshirt this guy in the middle of the career? It just doesn't seem to work that way. Coaches don't seem to want to do that. Well, in the past, we did do that. Let me give you an example why. Let's say you had seven or eight great offensive linemen, okay? And you're hoping you can get through the season with your starting offensive line and no one's going to get hurt and they're equal players. And you know that the next year you don't have that quality of players. So you talk to your offensive linemen. You say, you know, the three that aren't going to start or the four that aren't going to start or so on, uh, we're thinking about redshirting you because next year you're going to be a definite starter and you're going to have two years of eligibility here and you'll have a better opportunity of playing on Sunday. And uh, you sit down and you talk to him about it, the pluses of it, and the number of reps you get going against the, the great defensive players daily. Uh, you don't take away their opportunities of getting better. And a lot of kids will sit down and they'll say, "I want to do that uh, by red shooting. I'm going to be guaranteed a, a grad. I'm going to be graduating. I've got that fifth year. I can go in and get my master's degree or whatever advanced degree I can get, and I'll be bigger and stronger and faster." And that way you give him an opportunity of playing more reps as far as in a game and making you a better football team, but you'll have a returning guy that's a potential starter or would be starting for you except you're rotating him. So I'm not big on rotations. You know, I'm big on playing the best players and keeping the best players around if you can do that. And, uh, yeah, we didn't do a lot of that, but we did do it after talking with the players and explaining to them exactly the reason. Like, you know, if we had two quarterbacks that were somewhat equal, I had Randall Cunningham and Steve Stahl with behind him. Well, I told Steve, I said, Steve, you're not going to get a lot of reps, but next year you'll be a starter. And I had another quarterback that was just as good. Now, if Randall went down, I had to play Steve. But Steve became a better football player because of that. He didn't play, and Randall had a great year, and I kept Randall in the game, and when we were ahead enough, then I'd take Randall out, and the guy that was below Steve would come in, and if he became a great player too, I'd do the same thing with him the following year. But you don't always get great quarterbacks or great players that play at a level for you to win a championship. Now, of course, my level of coaching at UNLV is a lot different than the level of coaching at USC because I forecast. I took players who maybe were 6'6", 250, 245, but by the time they became a junior, I hoped they were 280, 290, because I couldn't get the same player that USC got. Occasionally, I would get one or beat UCLA, like Kirk Jones and others. But occasionally, you can't think you're going to beat them every year on the great players, but you got to look at players like, you know, it's like Wheeler did. Uh, you know, the way they took Wheeler, I wasn't impressed with him, but he was 6'6", 240 pounds, and turned into a starting tackle for USC. So... You know, you got to do different things on different levels, and you got to do the right thing for your program and the kids. Um, let's move on to Tarek's question uh, about the offensive line, so we can do a little offensive line talk. With Chuma Odoga playing right tackle, who do you expect to play left tackle? Coach, what do you think? Um you hit me cold with that. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I mean, it could be Toa Lobandon. It could be Nico Fala. It could be, you know, like a freshman. No, like not Nico Fala. You keep bringing that up. Nico well, Fala is going to be coach. the center, okay? Like, they talk about Quit, it. Don't, don't say that again, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, Lobandon's going to be the left guard. And I think the other tackle is going to be Johnson or Chris Brown. Uh, 
Oh, I think uh, some, I told you those guys can't play guard. They're too tall, too big. you got to get your guys that can move inside. Vinny's going to be the right guard. Uh, Ball is going to be the center. Uh, and you're going to get one of those other guys to be the tackle. I know they're that big Voris kid. I mean, you've got to see more of him, too. I don't have the roster in front of me of the depth chart, so. but, you know, I think the three inside guys are going to be the ones I talked about, and Chuma's going to be somewhere, and then, of course, we'll find out who that other tackle's going to be. So the way it's been going right now, we'll get your thoughts on this, Keeley, too. Um, they've, they've moved guys around, but Lobodon's been, you know, playing left tackle, but so is... Uh, I think we got followed in there a little bit. Um, not so much. Not so much. We talked about it. Uh, Chuma Doga, um, has been the right tackle, I think. And I talked to him. I got a story up about him. Chris Brown, uh, and Vianney have been the, the guards and, uh, talked to basically Chris Brown is trying to take over what Damian Mama's spot was, even though he started for Damian Mama in the first game of the season, then he didn't for the rest of the way. Um, but I agree. I think Fala is going to stay at center. Like they talk about moving him around and stuff. Uh, we've seen some Roy Hemsley play tackle, uh, Austin Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I thought he had a good spring. I did. Yeah. What do you think, Keely? What's, what's your thought? Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as the Nico Fala thing, I think that was only thrown around when his back was acting up, but then suddenly his back was better because he's been <laughs> playing center. So I don't, I don't know what the deal with that is, but I don't know. I mean, we did see Toa. At tackle when Chad Wheeler went down with the ACL two years ago. Um, I don't know how I feel about him at tackle now. You know, I, I, I think I would have to see more of that, but, yeah. um, who, who else would be at tackle? I know you just said it, but I, it's slipping my mind. So like a Austin Jackson could potentially be there. Like, yeah. uh, coach talked about Andrew Voorhees. I kind of think he's going to end up at guard, but we'll see, uh, moving around. I mean, I think this is what's interesting about fall camp is there's a lot of guys that have the potential to play. But which one is going to end up stepping up there? I mean, people thought it was going to be Chuma. And when I talked to him, he just feels more comfortable at right tackle, you know? And so that's where he's going to stay. I think if he was at left tackle and they felt strongly about that, it would have been okay. But the fact that he's going to go to right, now you're opening things up. I still kind of think Lobodon's going to end up up there, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, they've been switching him around. Callaway definitely likes to switch him around. I think we're going to see that a lot in fall camp where we're not really going to know right away who is where. So that will be something to watch for during fall camp, those okay. developments. Well, you're going to have your best tackle. Your best tackle is going to be the left tackle, okay? But that's Darnold's blind side. So Chuma might not like to play left side, but if he's the best tackle, he might end up over there because uh, you got to have your best tackle to the quarterback's blind side. And, uh, the strong side, basically that side over there, you can put, you've got a choice of, you know, several guys that can play that right side. Just watch the tackle play last year, okay? At the right side, it was about a C average, okay? They just got by, guy made first team all American, but I, you know, I don't know how. But, uh, and nothing against Banner. Nothing against it. Break <laughs> it down and take a look at it. Uh, they'll get better tackle play this year than they did last year. That's just the way I feel on this and not trying to be negative on anybody playing in the NFL and all this and that. But that's one area they really need to improve on is the offensive tackle play. And uh, I think they've got the athletes to do that. It looks like they do. It, it's really just about figuring out who's going to play um, where. Like a guy like Hensley has a you know huge body. Uh, he's out there. I mean, Austin Jackson, you look at his footwork coming out of high school, he definitely seems like more of an advanced uh, type of player. I mean, th there's options there, coach. And I don't know, you don't like rotations. 
Um, I mean, maybe it's something where they're playing around the first couple games and then they just get set, but I'm not sure they're going to know exactly what they want, even by, you know, Western kickoff for Western Michigan. Maybe they do something like they did last year where Chris Brown started and then didn't start the rest of the way. They, they try somebody out and nope, they don't like it and they move it around. That's not Alabama. Like that's, that's a hard first start, but you know, maybe they do something like that. I like Chris Brown. Okay. I think he's a great player, but he's not a guard. I keep telling you that. I don't know if they listen to the show. They're going to put in whoever they want. Yeah. Chris could be a good offensive tackle. You've got to have a guy that's got a little bit more agile uh, and, and ability to play that guard position. You do a lot of leading and going through, and the tackles too. they got to get out of the way of the running back. You can't be running with the running back or behind the running back when you lead on certain plays. You've got to be in front of the running back. And Chris, when as big as he is, he's a great player, he's going to be, but as big as he is, he has more body to move because of his height. So I, I just don't know if they'll go with that. I think they move people around and they got to check it out. But, Ryan, I want you to know, I'm serious, you got to be ready as soon as you can to get your five guys together because Western Michigan isn't going to lay down. They should win that football game. They're probably a 21-point favorite. I don't even know. Maybe more than that. Maybe it's 30 points. And people expect them to go out and beat them by that. I do because of the recruiting they've had and the number of players they have. And they got a great quarterback coming back. And I'm not afraid of the receivers USC has. I think they got a great group of receivers who are ready to play and become somebody and make something happen. I think they got to use their tight ends a little bit more and their running game a little bit more. And they're going to be good. They're going to be good. But I'll tell you, you got Stanford coming up. And I'm going to tell you, they've had a tough time with Stanford. That is a key game. And don't take Texas for granted with Tom Herman. I'm telling you. I mean, you could be one and two if you don't take those two games serious. So you better get your group together early and figure out what's going on. Because this, this two of the, you know, first three games are going to be battles. They're not going to be uh, conflicts. They're going to be real battles so i think you got to find out early what your combination is going to be so they play together and they recognize defenses and they really get it done and that's really important in an offensive line hey coach with uh you know no matter who's at left tackle uh and who's on the offensive line i think they had some struggles last year especially early it got better when you got a guy like sam darnold who's just very hard to sack uh almost no matter what you had a guy you know randall cunningham who was very athletic and could move around and stuff does that take some of the pressure off the offensive line where they know, hey, even if I miss a block, the guys behind me are probably going to get away from him anyway? Oh, I agree 100%. Certainly it does. But the number one thing is most of the time your defensive ends are going to take the outside to try to contain him, but they don't want him to go outside. If you go inside and he gets outside of you, like if Sam Darnold gets outside of you, he's got the whole field to look at. You want him to step up in the pocket. You want to keep him inside the pocket. You want to make him throw over people's arms. Uh, and try to, you know, keep him there. You don't want to flush him out. And Sam's real good of stepping up and then getting flushed out and get behind the tackle to get to the outside and look at the whole field. And he has the ability to run. Randall had the ability to run. So when you have an athletic quarterback that can look at the field, get away from the rush, and run, then you've got a definite, definite weapon here. And it makes it a lot different, too, when you can utilize the type of offense that USC has been running. In the past, the offense that USC has been running, as I said, they hadn't utilized. There's a, it's a one-back one offense. Uh, your quarterback is your second running back. Unless you keep them honest on the keep and the bootlegs and different things, 
then your offenses are really follow, uh, firing on all 11 cylinders. So it's very, very important that you execute the offense and your quarterback is athletic and you allow him to be athletic. Hey, Coach, one last thing. It's funny. I just got an email from uh, the Pac-12, a little media release. Good. Say hello they, uh, Yeah, so on the second day of Pac-12 Media Day, the July 27th, uh, that's a Thursday, they just announced, which is the timing seems weird to me, 2017 Pac-12 football championship game tickets are on sale. So they're starting to sell tickets. If you want to get tickets, pack-12.com slash tickets. Uh, you can go buy your tickets there. It's a Friday, so Friday, December 1st. So it's every other year they do it Friday and Saturday. So I'm not, not a huge fan of the Friday games, but I don't know. Is this, is this odd that they're, you know, they're going to be flooded with ticket requests now because they have to start selling in July? Well, if you don't get them now, you'll have they'll you'll get one free later on. <laughs> Nobody wants to attend the game because where it's located, you know, we've talked about that. The location of the game is is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're right, Stanford and Cal, and uh, nobody wants to go to San Francisco because the rooms cost 300 a night. When you have Las Vegas right across, we're in the middle of the, it could be a hub for the Pac-12, and it's the event city, and you have a great city with, but you know, that's where they have the basketball tournament. Now, I've said this a million times. I'm hoping someone listens to this. I tried to get the game there. I told you that, and we were down to the final three, and uh, they decided to go up to San Francisco on that, and. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. So if you wait long enough, you'll get a free one, so somebody will be there. Keely, what do you think? Selling the ticket, figuring out a rush to buy tickets for the championship game now? Even USC fans think they're going. What do you think? It, yeah, it's very odd, but I do know a couple of people who have asked me how they get Pac-12 championship tickets. So okay. there is a market out there. Interesting. It might all be right. small, but there is a market. Larry Scott, all right. Yeah, I mean, you could probably get pretty amazing well, I'm guessing that most of like the great seats are like corporate stuff and everything. Probably. I would, you know, that would be curious to see as soon as it opens, like go on and see what the best seats are available, right? And see where you could possibly buy. Cause I'm guessing most of the good ones are taken by corporate stuff. Really? I would think so. Already? Right? No, no. I mean, I think they allot them, not like they mm. bought them. They would allot them. Hey, here, we're giving these seats to blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, if you want to buy tickets, oh yeah, you can get them up in the nosebleeds, even though no one's going to be sitting below you. I'll be curious to see. So if someone do, if you do that, if someone's going to go out and buy tickets, if you're a USC fan, you're like, hey, USC's making a championship game. I want to buy my tickets. Go out when it opens up on the 27th and let us know what was available. It was good. But you're There'll right. There'll be a lot of tickets available. Believe me, if I, if someone was to give the actual count of paid, paid tickets to the Pac-12 championship game, not tickets given away. To, to people, so it looks like somebody's in the stands. I'd really like to know what that is. The stadium is about a 60, 65,000 seat stadium. I'm guessing they announce what? 30, 40, uh, normally. I would guess 20, 25 may be paid. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it too is it's their corporate pots, uh, partners and sponsors and things like that. So they, they have these huge blocks of tickets that they'll give away that'll, that'll count. And, you know, you maybe give a hundred tickets away to a company and, 15 people use them, they still count it as 100, I would say. Right. I just think the Pac-12 championship game is a major bowl game, okay? And I've got a lot of pride in it. I really do. It's not just an ordinary game. I mean, uh, it could be a New Year's Day game, in my mind. And, and, and I think it should be somewhere that allows the Pac-12 great exposure and great TV ratings and all of the rest. And right now, I don't think that's happening. So it's on the Pac-12 network, I think. So half the world doesn't see it. 
or less. And I think it's very important to have it in a place that you get great exposure and people know what's happening in the Pac-12. I got a lot of pride in the Pac-12, okay? I get in a lot of arguments with people. And uh, I think it's got to start at the top, and you've got to think what's best, just like I talk about playing the best players. Well, you got to do everything which is in the best interest of the Pac-12. The Southeastern Conference is so far ahead of every other, other conference and what they're doing, their media guides and everything they do and the way they present it, and they have the, all the their games running continuously on television and everything. I mean, it's amazing, but the Pac-12 deserves this best. They deserve the same. And uh, that's why it upsets me. I'm sorry, but uh, that's the way I feel, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think this year, I don't know, it's Fox and ESPN every other year. That's why they do Friday night some nights on some years and Saturday other years. I forget which one. Yeah, so they have six days to prepare for a game. I think ESPN does it on Friday, I would guess. So it's probably yeah, that Friday. That makes sense. Play on Saturday and then play the championship <laughs> game the next Friday. Oh, I think uh, it's terrible right. to play it on Friday, too. I think that's It really bad. That's makes sense TV. that you know, I'd I'm agree to awesome. something like that. If I was the yeah. commissioner, I'd say, hey, uh, don't, jeez, please, give me a break, will you? No, it's bad. You're going to have less people see it, but they, you know, ESPN has all these other games, so they basically squeeze you in on a Friday night. Um, Fox, when they get it on Saturday, they play it on Saturday. At least that's the way it used to be. I don't know if that's changed, but, um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't, not a big fan. Uh, but USC would have a buy coming into it anyway. So maybe that's an advantage where like a Stanford or a Washington or something would have to six days. Now Stanford's close, so they just have to drive. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I just wanted to bring that one up. Well, coach. Oh, thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, you know, I love you know all that kind of stuff. So I'm sorry we're not going to see you at Pac-12 Media Day this year, but uh, Keely and I'll be out there. We'll get, we'll let you guys know uh, what's going on at Pac-12 Media Day. But thanks again, coach, for coming on. Hey, do me a favor. When you're there, text me and tell me how the media picked it, will you? I will let you know. The, I think huh? they released it early. I think they released it like while we're there. So I'll, I'll forward it to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, make sure you get that. I'd like to see who they have. Uh, and let me ask you this. Where does Stanford play Washington at this year? I do not know. Um, but the, I, I think, think that's the key for the North. I think it's I at Stanford because I think they got absolutely boat raced by Washington last year in Seattle. Okay. So. It is at Stanford. Just confirmed. Just confirmed. Okay, <laughs> Keely confirmed. Um, see, see, see these young kids and all the knowledge they have as far as knowing immediately. What's going on? She's See, smart, that's man. the advantage they got over us. Yeah. <laughs> She's smart. All right. Well, Coach, Coach Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Keely is my name. At Keely is my name. Keely, your is her name, but you can follow her at Keely is my name. She does like the Snapchats and the Instagrams and all I those do. kind of stuff too, but I don't know. That's a lot of stuff to kind of get. All the social media that you used to do. Yes. All this stuff. I don't have a Snapchat yet. Maybe at some point. Uh, probably not. All right. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. If you have any problems with the site, uscfootball.com, just email me and we'll uh, work you through it. Let me know if you have any issues. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.